Hey, welcome to the C3 Church Victory Podcast. We pray this message will inspire you and activate your faith. Thanks for joining us. If you remember, we are in a, we are in a series called Revision. Revision, you could also say reorient, like check the bearing, uh, check your compass. Are, you track, are we tracking on the right bearing, on the right direction? Are we actually, as a church, moving towards what we believe is the vision that God has given us as a part of the wider church across the globe, okay? Uh, and we believe that that vision is to be a home for hope, that there is things within the articulation of that that define the expression that we believe God has placed on victory to be for his kingdom, that we would be a home, that that would be welcoming and inviting, and there would be a sense of, of, of familiarity and, and ease, and that people would feel at home, in this place, that there would be a sense of place and a sense of identity, like you know that you belong in your family house, right? That, that this sense of home would extend to our Ush services where we say they are a home away from home, or to our, our victory center that we say is a place where every single person can find hope. And that when we say we're a home for hope, what we're actually articulating is what we are talking about today, that hope is not a substance, hope is not a concept, hope is not an emotional feeling. No, 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 hope is actually a person, the one person that can transcend time, space, and circumstance, that person who is Jesus. He is hope. Not that something will happen one day that is good for us. No, but he who is eternal and has eternally made a way for us to live with him now and forever, he is hope. And that we would be his home, both individually and collectively. That's what our vision is. And I will continue to say that until it is firmly implanted in every person's heart. And not just that, but you understand the role you play in facilitating the full expression of that. Because can I tell you, I cannot do it. Me and Rach cannot do it together. Even all the staff that you saw, we, we, cannot, we can't do it together. Why? Because every person who has called into this place was called by God to contribute to the expression of the vision that he's given. He hasn't given a vision that's fulfilled by one person. He's given a vision that is the expression of every person together. Right? Exactly what that scripture said, that we are carefully formed into the fullness of the house of God. Come on. Thanks, Julie. So, what is the church not? It's probably a good place to start. When we talk about this community, 1 Peter says this, he says, and you, in verse, uh, chapter 2, verse 5, and you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. What's more, you are his holy priests. We'll get to that. It's very interesting. Uh, th through the mediation, great word, of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. I wonder who, who came to church this morning with the idea in their mind that what you're doing right now, whether it is engaging in a song, contributing with your, your tithe, welcoming someone else, having a conversation about how someone's week has been. Is it really 11.03 a.m. already? Whew, Jesus, help me. Do you realize that that is a spiritual service to God? Or do you come to church with an expectation of consuming something that someone else has put on for you? 
What is the church not? <laughs> the church is not you as an individual. I'm really sorry to burst your bubble if that's what you think, but scripture is really clear that there is a distinction between what you have as an individual with God and what occurs when two or more, right? When two or more are gathered together, I am there in your midst, right? There, there is a distinction. Now, Paul could have said anything, but he is using the number just above you alone to point out that actually you alone is a unique thing, but you with at least someone else means it's no longer just you. The whole idea of that verse is not to be like, well, now I've got someone else, God's here, which is true. It's saying, I want to be a part of something. There is something of me, God, your plan, your purpose, your life, something that is more than you as an individual. And you need to engage in that thing or you will live your relationship with me with a self-oriented, self-purposed, self-gratifying desire running in you that it is actually all about you. And it's really not. It's, re it's really not. So there is a notable difference between you and God, which is your personal relationship. That, that brings with it these beautiful terms of intimacy, closeness, right? When we talk about uh, uh, like hearing the voice of God, the whisper of God, there is so much beauty and value. And like, I just, I personally, I love my relationship with Jesus. No one else has that. And no one else will ever have that because that's what's mine. That's the individual component. It's the relationship, which is, which is if we can go there, which is why there's an issue with inviting someone to come to church in the hope that they will join the community without them first meeting Jesus. Because then they are trying to operate in the collective expression of our personal relationships with Jesus without one. And when all they have is the expression of the collective and not the relationship, they're missing the very thing that gives reason and, 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 all, and, and expression in the collective. So I'm not saying don't, don't invite, don't hear that. But what I'm saying is we have to understand what we're inviting people to. We are inviting people to engage in a real, genuine, personal, intimate relationship with Jesus. When they get that and it's real, they will love the body of Christ. They'll want to be a part of the body of Christ. Do you know why? Last week we talked about the Imago Dei being made in the image of God. We talked about the, the Trinitarian expression, Father, Son, Spirit, Body, Soul, Spirit. But do you know what else God is? God is consistent community. God does not exist outside of his own. He is eternally in community. Father, Son, Spirit, eternally in relationship. So that we, we are actually another expression of our imago day being made in the image of God is only found in community. You are not truly expressing the image of God in you alone and isolated. We express something of the image of God together. And so when we find God, when we find relationship with Him, what comes with that is a desire for that together. We ache for community. We ache for relationship. We ache for togetherness because we are made for it. We are made to be together, and that expresses something of the, the image of God. Excuse me. So to, and in actual fact, together we are so much more. Let's look. Let's look at this. Is, are we ready to go on the screen? I know I gave you a cue like 10 minutes ago, but, but here we go, right? If we, if we were to put in the middle here, um, the church. Oh, 
I love this thing. The church. Quick Bible study, okay, that you can now, you can take with you. This is a little, a little homework, a little takeaway. The church, and we have been on a journey where we have gone from saying, we don't go to church, we are the church. That's really important to understand. But there is a great attention at play if you read Scripture. If you read Scripture and you start to look at all the language that is used around the, the gathering of believers, you will find that the church is a family. And it's really important to look at these because each of these give a, a, a component and an element to our functionality. So there are things in the fact that we are a family that should dictate our conduct with one another. We are a, a family. You know what else we are? And this one, this one, you know, you can find in Scripture. Come and talk to me later if you're wondering. I have to watch my spelling. We are an organization. You, you, can't, you actually can't get away from that. We shouldn't try to hide that. We should celebrate the structure and the stability that that brings to something like this. We are an organization. And can I tell you, we take it very seriously and we want to abide by all of the legal and the governance and the components that go into place in this nation about being an organization. And that is an absolutely key part of being the church. In fact, we also are a house. That's different to being a family, but together an expression of how we act, what we do, our purposes, produce a house in which God dwells. Family speaks of us together. How's our conduct? Scripture says, they will know you are my disciples. How? Come on. I know you guys know your Bible. By your love for one another. Not even for how much you love those that don't know Jesus, but how we, like that's family language. How we love one another is an expression of the fact that we're a family. If we're not a family, if we're just a house, I don't see too many bricks loving the other brick. It's all structural, right? It's all about what goes inside that thing. Okay, but if we realize we are also a house for God, well then our, how we house God, how we host God, those things that occur in a house, all that matters. So our love for one another matters because we're a family. But how we host the presence of God in this place matters as well because, because we're his house. You know what else we are? Again, not to like be too practical. I get told I have to be practical by my wife. She helps me. But we are a physical location. Okay? You do come to church and that is okay. It is okay for church to be a place. Because if it isn't a place that is distinguishable and recognizable, then we just have this weird, ethereal, conceptual gathering. Well, where? We gather in a place. And we determine that that place is where we are going to hold this type of a gathering. Where we are going to bring everyone together who says they're a part of the family. And so church, it's okay for church to be a place. It's okay to have expectations on what happens in that place. It's okay for it to be on Google Maps and be a different address to our, our office. And we're really sorry for anyone who's been to our office on a Sunday uh, and, and hasn't realized that this, this is our, our Sunday church place. Um, we are also, and this is a really interesting one, 
we together. Oh, I'm, like, I'm going too low. I'm going too low. Come on, you got to talk to me, guys. Oh, we're, we're a bride. Now, I've never been a bride, but there's a number of people in this place that have been a bride. I've been a husband. I've been a groom. Okay. But do you realize that together we are the bride of Christ? That should, that should say some things about how we hold ourselves, about how we see ourselves. The love, like I remember as a groom, seeing Rach walk down the aisle, like never a more beautiful sight. Like, I mean, I, I'm emotional, I'm a crier, but you know, like, like there's, there's, there's tears and I am just captured by her beauty. And that's what Jesus is like with us. When we realize we're his bride, but not only is, should, should we realize that about ourselves, this should change how we hold ourselves before him. Like, I want to come as a spotless bride. I, I want to bring my best. Like, find me a bride that's like, I don't care what I look like on the wedding day. I don't think you will. Because they want to bring their best for their soon-to-be husband. And I wonder if we viewed ourselves as a bride, how we might hold what we do and bring and contribute to this community. Because we're not just a community on Sunday. Yes, this is a function, but how do you hold yourself as the bride of Christ when you are out and about? Because you are still the church, you are still the community of believers, Monday to Saturday. In your workplace, you are the very bride of Christ. It's the greatest desire in me to not sin is not a fear of trouble. But it comes down to how much God loves me and how I want to respond to that. So, like when you're parenting, and, and I don't have a lot of parenting advice because I got three very small kids still, but I have a hunch that the goal is not to get them to obey out of a fear of getting in trouble, it's to at some point be able to instill in them such an understanding of how much their parents love them that they don't want to do something that is going to affect or hurt that love that the parent has for them. And so our, our behavior, our desire to have behavior, because I mean, like we, all, we all stuff up, we all have sin, right? So don't, don't create a perfectionist mindset. But our desire not to, like our desire when we're on display out in the community, in our workplaces, our desire to, to display ourselves in such a way as the bride of Christ should come from the understanding of how much he loves us. And oh my goodness, I want to display myself so well that he is well thought of. Where am I up to? We're also a community. We are also a body. We are also a temple. And I could, I could talk about like each of those has application for how we function together, right? Like a body, just it's not okay if like one part of it's sick because it doesn't work well together. So a body talks about care, talks about caring for one another, talks about ensuring that 
however possible, every one of us is, is healthy. So you make the church, but you individually are not the church. We don't survive separate and we don't succeed separate. In fact, our, our identity, our function, our purpose and distinct expression of the image of God, finding its fullness is in the collected state. None of those things on the screen, they saw on the screen, none of those things are you as an individual. They are us together. They are us together. And I'd go a step further, and I would, I would say that you as an individual can be called a disciple, but you cannot engage in discipleship as an individual. So when we say that we're a church that's about building disciples, it's because we understand that that whole process, any like transformation, any journey that we go on, it's because of the community around us. Iron sharpening iron, right? Like it's, like I know for me, some of the greatest steps as a disciple have occurred because I'm, I'm next to people that irritate me in community. Like we think irritation in this place is an excuse to leave. Offense, pain, like, oh, I don't like that part. Or I don't, you know, like we, we don't realize that those things are the very process of discipleship that God wants to use in our life to, to grow our capacity to love, to grow our capacity to extend grace, to forgive others how I have been forgiven. Okay, but, but because, because we don't think about the true expression of, of us as a collective, we go to the individual. Oh, well, that, I, we get all like this on, in and of ourselves. And instead of allowing the, the very thing that, that God has orchestrated so that discipleship occurs, we go, mm, I'm out. We go, we go and we find another community. Okay. And, and who knows, it shouldn't be that easy to leave family. We're a family. It shouldn't be that easy to leave a family. And I don't know about you, but I know that in my family, the things that occur between individuals, one of the, some of the greatest like soil of discipleship in my life. Like God has used my wife to challenge me on so many things. And I say that honoring her in every way because I see it as a blessing. I see it as a gift. Scripture says whoever finds a wife finds a good thing. But God's definition of good is a little different to ours because it's about our progress. And so in this community, when you find yourself getting a bit itchy scratchy with someone, and when someone says something that just, it, ooh, that pressed me the wrong way. Maybe, maybe God is, is trying to do some discipleship on someone who calls themselves his disciple. Now, uh, last year we, we preached a couple of chapters out of, out of Mark. 
Season one, we called it. We'll get to season two later this year. But, but one of the key things in that was, are you part of the crowd or are you a disciple? Because if you're a disciple, God's, Jesus, Jesus is probably going to put you with a whole group of people that are going to clash with each other on, on like cultural mindsets and, and, and all sorts of other things. Because that's what he does with his disciples because that's the breeding ground of discipleship. But if you're just part of the crowd, well, you, you just get to hang out. And you, uh, but no growth is probably going to happen to you. you. He'll minister to the crowd. You might experience some miraculous things. you have some encounters with him, but you, might, you actually might not change much. He has orchestrated this thing that, that in every way is an expression of the image of God, this community, this, this, this relationship space that we have with each other called the church. He's orchestrated it so that the fullness of the function of his body is outworked. But that involves us growing, <laughs> which, which he's decided is he will do that by using us with us. And so I'm going to land this plane on Ephesians 4, 15 and 16. It says this, Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow. so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. If I had another 40 minutes, I would hands down preach on how the person who irritates you is for your benefit. Because it is helping you grow, which is helping us grow, which is causing us to be more full of love, which is what tells people that we're His disciples. But we package the irritation of each other in the box of negative and to be avoided. When actually it's the greatest blessing. And we should see it, we should welcome it with open arms. Because we see there's a greater purpose at work than just my own sense of self-satisfaction. And whether or not I love every single experience that I'm having at my church. There's a lot of individual language in that. It's also why when we released vision in June and we talked about small is significant, we asked ourselves, what is the smallest space we believe in that the organization of the church is responsible for attempting to create, which is what the organization is, is responsible for. We're not responsible for for your relationship with Jesus, that's on you. We're not responsible for your discipleship because I can't do something that you don't engage in on your own, okay? But our, as the organization, we are responsible for attempting to create spaces where you can encounter Jesus if you so desire, where you can find the ingredients in discipleship if you so desire, where we can care for crisis situations because our community is so full of love and understands that it's a family that for the vast majority cares for each other. 
And we landed on this definition called a table space. It's a small space. We never expect it to get, to get too big, but it's a small space. And we talk about it like it's a family dinner where there's a breaking of bread, there's food together, there's relationship, there's conversation. There's enough closeness that irritation can occur so the conversation can happen, so the growth can occur. We open up the Word of God so that the way we're feeling about life or interacting with life can come up against truth. And when there's a gap, we go, oh, something needs to change and probably not going to expect this to because that would be bad theology. And we've got some great table spaces. I guess I want to use this moment just for one minute to really champion those and encourage you if you're serious about growing as a disciple, if you're you're serious about engaging in discipleship, you can't do that alone. And that's not really the focus of this gathering. This gathering really is about us being ministers to the Lord, bringing something to contribute. This whole service is a worship to our God. That's what this is. This is where we minister as priests. That's what that scripture talks about. We're not just coming to receive. No, we are now all the priests that offer the sacrifice. If you want to read the Old Testament and see where the whole priesthood was translated, it was fulfilled in Jesus. And then, and then, and then we are told now we are all priests because we all have access. And the sacrifice we bring is not a cow, it's our life. We all come to bring something to God. Thanks for making time to hear this message today. We encourage you to connect with us by heading to c3victory.org.au.